You guys, I can't believe there's still two more days until a Michigan State basketball game. Welcome to Locked on Spartans for your Friday, November, December, whatever month it is, December 14th, 2018. It's been so long since we've gotten to watch Michigan State play basketball that I'm just losing track of the days, the months, the year. I don't know where I am most of the time, uh, but luckily that's all going to be fixed and taken care of on Sunday. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Will Hunter, back with you for another edition of Locked on Spartans. Reminder, we do this almost every single day, Monday through Friday, every day, every week of the year, 30-minute episodes covering the world of Spartan athletics. A little different this week, no Wednesday episode, as you remember, and we'll have an additional episode tomorrow previewing the MSU uh, Wisconsin Green Bay matchup on today's show. Uh, I promised it. And we're delivering. <laughs> I got my friend Joe Cook Sugar joining the show. He's uh, one of the best bracketologists in all the nation, in all the land, in all the world. Uh, he's going to come on. He's going to talk a little bit about his process, uh, where he's got Michigan State right now, what their uh, path looks like moving forward. And then we talk about the Big Ten uh, as a whole and how, just how strong the conference looks like it will be. So we got an interview uh, with him for the first two segments. And then uh, the third segment of the show, I'm going to talk a little bit about the new net ratings. Joe talks about it uh, a little bit in his uh, interview. It's the new, uh, it's replacing RPI. If you remember RPI, the uh, selection committee uh, uses it as a tool to uh, help seed teams. uh, And it's based on results, whereas something like Ken Palm that I talk about a lot is a predictive measure. the net rating is, you know, what have you done so far? Uh, the committee's talked about rewarding teams based on what they've accomplished, uh, and that all makes uh, perfect sense. But the net is new this year, the net rating, it's called, uh, and we will talk about it uh, more in depth after the, the interview with Joe because I think it's a helpful explainer after doing a little bit of bracket talk uh, here in the middle of December before conference play gets going. Uh, so, Follow the show on Twitter at OnSpartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, 1L2 underscores. Uh, you can always email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com anytime you want. And subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you don't mind, hop on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and review if you get uh, podcasts that way. If you don't get podcasts from iTunes, do it anyway. Uh, it's always beneficial to the podcast to have more five-star reviews. All right, let's get to the first part of that interview uh, with Joe Cook Sugar. Okay, we are joined now by my good friend Joe Cook Sugart of 131 Sports. Uh, Joe is one of the, if not the best bracketologists uh, in all of the land, uh, and he's going to shed some light on one of his early brackets so far in his process and, and how all that plays out. Uh, Joe, how you doing today? Thank you for joining the show. <laughs> I'm doing great, Will. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, so I've been, I've been hyping this up a bit, and I tell people any chance I can, that you are one of the most accurate bracketologists out there. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your background, just for the people's uh, information, a little bit about your bracket, uh, your background doing bracketology and sort of your process and how this all kind of works out? Because I think people see Joe Lenardi on ESPN uh, and whoever else is doing Jerry Palm, and then they don't really you know, know that there is a science to this. Sure, yeah. All right, so um, 
In terms of bracketology, this is my eighth year doing bracketology. I actually started um, as a senior in college at a college that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> Joe went to Michigan. <laughs> um, and so I, I sort of got into it. I, I really, I've always loved college basketball. And um, that kind of spawned from um, being bracket pools as a kid and trying to uh, project what was going to happen uh, in the bracket once the field was set. Uh, but I don't, I'd always had an interest in trying to predict how the field would be set. And in, like you mentioned, uh, the Jerry Palms, the Joe Lunardis, they get a lot of publicity and stuff. And when I was a kid, I was like, oh, you know, I think I could do that. So I, I took my hand at it, um, started at my senior year uh, of college, like I said, and um, just went through the process of, of trying to um, do some reading and, and, and really get familiar with the uh, uh, procedures that the committee follows when they do the general seating and uh, bracketing um, and, and uh, really, you know, try, try, try to uh, outsmart and outwit the, those guys that were, that are more well-known. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so far, so far, so good. Um, I yeah, will... you beat them like every year, don't you? <laughs> more or less. Yeah. Um, so there's actually a, a website um, if for people that are super familiar with basketball, uh, college basketball, they'll probably be familiar with it. It's called the Bracket Matrix. Um, it's a uh, aggregator website. It aggregates all of the people that um, are bracketologists through the entire internet, all over the world. Um, and I say all over the world because that sounds cooler. I'm pretty sure that they're mostly in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but um, it aggregates all of their projections uh, through the year, and then it comp- uh, creates a composite of the projections uh, so that people can get a feel for what bracketologists are thinking. Um, And then it also ranks uh, bracketologists based on their accuracy. Um, It used to be uh, for the entirety of the time that they've been doing bracketology, they recently switched so that it's on a rolling five-year average. Um, And they, um, and I I don't remember exactly how many bracketologists are ranked. There's over well over a hundred. And I know as of right now, I am 11th. In the rolling five-year average, but last year I was the most uh, accurate bracketologist on the internet. So that's my one hype for myself. Yeah, there you go. Well, and you've been up near the top a number of times before, and I think one year in the last five years maybe wasn't so good, and that's what's holding you at 11, if I remember correctly. But you're generally up there in terms of the most accurate guys. Um, so you don't have to hype yourself up. I'll keep doing it, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Appreciate on it. Your, this what like bracket three or so, but December thirteenth. So today's new bracket. You update. Uh, looks like I think a couple times a week, right? Um, you got Michigan State here on the three line, uh, top three seed uh, as of right now. If today were the the start of the tournament, uh, what are you seeing from them? How did you end up with them uh, as a three seed? So yeah, so I. Um... I do actually try to update um, almost daily. So, pe- mm-hmm. uh, you know, like sometimes there's not changes, um, relevant changes or relevant uh, events that have happened um, in the last night of college basketball to update it. But I do try to update daily. Um, in terms of MSU as a three seed, you know, they're, they're right on the borderline of being a two seed versus being a three seed. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it was a week ago or so, I, I had them as a two seed. Um, and I had to bump them down, not so much because of what they did, um, but I did uh, be, because of Tennessee's win over Gonzaga uh, a couple nights ago. Um, they ended up hopping Michigan State to bump State back to the three line and uh, take over a spot as the two seed. Um, and and if you look at 
um, where they're at in terms of the, the RPI actually starting this year will no longer be used or mm-hmm. so they, they, I put that in air quotes because they say it won't be used, but I'm still, I, I, I don't know how the committee is going to handle not using the RPI. And I still feel like they might end up if it is on a team's team sheet, using it as a crutch to determine where a team should be seated. Um, but they have introduced a new tool uh, that people should get familiar with, especially uh, in the coming months as March gets closer, called the NET. Uh, it's the NCAA evaluation tool, uh, and it, it takes a look at you know how a team. I, I think more relevant factors than the RPI did how teams performed, um, how they've scheduled, where they've you know who they've played, uh, how they've uh, whether or not they've won or lost, their margin of victory or margin of defeat. Uh, their offensive and defensive efficiency, and a host of other factors. They haven't released the exact algorithm, but they've released what goes into the algorithm um, in terms of the actual uh, metrics. And if you look at the net uh, ranking uh, right now, Michigan State coincidentally is ninth, uh, which would, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you have four one seeds and four two seeds, puts them at the top three seeds. So that kind of falls in line with uh, what I was thinking. Um, Similarly, uh, on Ken Palm, I think the last time I checked, they were Michigan State was eighth. So yep. I mean, they're, they're right there. Uh, Ken Palm is on a team's team sheet come March, but uh, Ken Palm uh, rankings are more predictive and less results based. And I know the committee has put a big stress on making sure that a team is seated based on what they've done, not what they could do and what their potential is. So I think that uh, Michigan State sliding in as the top three seed um, is about right for right now. You know, a lot of games to play still. Yeah, absolutely, especially with, uh, you know, just how the Big Ten looks to be stacking up this year. Uh, Real quick, that loss against Louisville, that's something that I think people uh, who follow Michigan State, and when we get to the point where teams are being seeded, that could be the difference between a three seed and a two seed for some people. Uh, How do you see that loss specifically playing into uh, how Michigan State has looked uh, so far in terms of their net rating, in terms of what the committee might think of them so far? Uh, you know, frankly, I really I don't think that loss is holding them down all that much. You know, Louisville appears to be at the very least uh, a borderline tournament team. Mm-hmm. My, uh, today, I I, I I think I put them as a ten seed. Yep. Yeah, um, I was just gonna say they're right in the middle of the ten seeds. Yep. So you know, losing an overtime game on the road in November against a tournament caliber team with your best player following out. You know, if I mean, the, the, that last part is very game specific. I yeah. don't think the committee will see that. But the, <laughs> the first three things relevant being, um, I think the committee ought to recognize that. Uh, I think really what is holding Michigan State back most is the lack of a truly marquee win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas and UCLA are victories on a neutral court that are both good but not great. And I'd put the home win over Iowa in that same category. And uh, I'd... I'd Peaked at, at Michigan State's schedule upcoming, and unfortunately for the Spartans, uh, they, they don't really have an opportunity for a quality win until the Big Ten play starts. Mm-hmm. So I think at this point, um, I think the only way that they really move up is if they take care of business in December and hope that uh, one of the eight teams that's in front of them right now stumbles. Yeah, the and the thing that I think personally um, will eventually end up being in their favor if Ken Palm has anything to say about it, I think Florida's going to do really well in the SEC. And if that ends up, you know, if they end up charging into the mid five, six, seven seed, even though they had some tough non-con losses, if they do well in the SEC, that could be a nice road win for them. Uh, could be sort of a marquee win. 
Okay, when we get back with Joe, uh, we're going to ask him uh, about the Big Ten and how that conference is looking so far. But first, a word from Sling TV. Guys, if you're like me, you're just tired of paying for all these channels on cable that you're not going to watch. You don't need them. You have no use for them. All you want to do is watch your team win. You need to give Sling TV a shot. It is the best way to watch college athletics. $30 a month gets you the ESPN, uh, like Pac-12, SEC Network, FS1, things like that. Uh, and right now, listeners to this podcast can sign up for a seven-day free trial at sling.com slash lockdown. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash lockdown. Uh, there's no better time to try than right now. Get a seven-day free trial. And with Sling, you can stream on your big screen all the way down to your smartphone. There's no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. Sign up right now at sling.com slash lockdown and get a seven-day free trial. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Well, you could be mentioned right now. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite shows. Our demographic is 98% male, has more education, and earns more money than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. Email me at LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome back to Locked on Spartans. Let's get to the second portion of this interview with our resident bracketologist, Joe Cook Sugar. Let's talk about the Big Ten. Uh, it looks like uh, at the beginning of the season, I was saying it's going to be a really deep conference. There might not be elite teams. Michigan is uh, having their say about that. Uh, what are your thoughts on the conference right, right now? You've got 10 Big Ten teams in here right now. Northwestern is a, a bubble team as well. Uh, what is a realistic expectation for this conference in terms of how many teams can they get in and just like what a grind this Big Ten season is going to be? Oh, yeah. No, uh, I, I think what one thing um, some people might not be aware of that should be brought to people's attention is I don't and I'm pretty sure it started this year unless I missed it last year that the conference schedule just changed to 20 games that that, that starts this year, I believe. Um and so the grind that is the Big Ten schedule is going to be even more of a grind with, with mm-hmm. 20 conference games as opposed to the regular 18 that we're all so familiar with. Yeah, this is the first year. Yeah, okay. So, yep, 15-3 and three won the conference last year. Yep, yeah. So, so, you know, like this year, I think 15, win, 15 and 5 might win the conference mm-hmm. as, as deep as it is. Um, you know, like you mentioned uh, just a second ago that the Big Ten has, has performed great in the non-conference thus far, and obviously that bodes really well going into conference play because um, it gives you a little bit more leeway in terms of not uh, of avoiding bad losses. You know, as long as you beat Rutgers and beat Illinois for the mm-hmm. most part, then anybody else really is you know a fairly reasonable loss to uh, experience. Um, 
And those so, are top hundred Ken Palm teams. Like those are not terrible teams. Yeah, there are yeah. much worse teams in pretty much every conference. Yes, the the the, the depth of the Big Ten is um, unmatched this year for sure. So far, especially based on how they've performed the non conference. So you know, like thus far, I I have ten teams in. Um, I do my seeding for the most part based on what teams have accomplished thus far in the season. You know, I think that once conference play gets into full swing, the the Big Ten is going to start to cannibalize itself to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. Um, And depending on how things shake out, I think that I don't think 10 teams is possible, but I do think nine. I think nine is is the cap. Um, Even I'd say my best estimate right now is probably eight, which would still be a great year for the Big Ten. Um, But I do I do think nine um, is is going to be definitely feasible. I um, if I were to throw some teams out there. I think um, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Ohio State are, are your locks. I don't th- mm-hmm. I, Having watched them play numerous games and seeing how they've played so far, I don't think there's any way those four teams miss the tournament. Um, after that, I think that there's some pretty – some near locks in, in Purdue, Indiana, uh, Nebraska, and Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you got those four. And, and that that's – if I had to guess right now, those are the eight teams I'd say I'm like – you know, if it, they're all in the field as of today for me, and I think that they will be on the actual selection Sunday. Um, and then the other three teams that um, will, are going to compete for spots are Iowa, Minnesota, and Northwestern. Um, and and Iowa and Minnesota, I have in the field right now. So I, yeah. Iowa, I think I, I believe I have them as a six or a seven seed. Even I, I don't think they're that good. I think they've overachieved thus far based on how they've performed, but. Um, you know, like it's it's a deep conference, so it's it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. And um, I do think that um, when Michigan and Michigan State play um, at the very end of the year, which is I, I'm kind of frustrated with the Big Ten schedule and the fact that the you know, in my opinion, the two best teams in the conference don't play till the end of February. Yeah, um, I do think that that could potentially be um, for th- those games could be if either of those teams sweep the other. I think that those could be for one seed and, and even potentially as, as well as the Big Ten is played thus far. I think that Michigan and Michigan State could both get one seeds you mm-hmm. know, like by the end of the year. Depends on how they perform, obviously. Yeah, if they if they have a run through this conference and end up with two losses each at the end, that's a very realistic case for them to make, especially when you start looking at those non-conference wins. And we'll see how like Michigan's state schedule shakes out is texas good is ucla good Mm -hmm. florida uh you know win some sec games is louisville stick in the tournament just to back you up here for a sec uh you have 10 big 10 teams in the tournament one is a nine seed in minnesota and then every the nine other ones are seven or higher uh it's just like there's no one getting in on the 11 line or cheaply on the 10 line or anything like that like there's a bunch of teams solidly in right now so we'll see it's going to be i think a really fun exciting Big Ten season, and you um, will hopefully be back with us. You know, we'll catch up with you a few weeks down the line. Where can people find your work uh, in the meantime, though? Where can people get this bracket? So, uh, like I said, I try to post daily. Uh, if you go to one three one sports dot com, uh, that's where you'll find my uh, my brackets posted, and it has the the actual bracket. So it'll be it'll have projections based on the regions and the sub regionals. Um, based on, and those are all actually, um, to the best of my abilities, based on the bracketing procedures that the committee follows in terms of avoiding rematches and avoiding mm-hmm. conference um, opponents and um, and catering to a team's geographic uh, setup. 
Um, so uh, the, the most recent one, Michigan State, fell into uh, into the Columbus sub-regional, which unfortunately for them, you know, like they might get some Ohio State fans yeah. that, that turn out and cheer against them. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and I have the seed lines. I'll have breakdown by conference, um, you know, and I'm always open to – I put on all my posts. I'm always open to working, as as you know, by working with you. I'm always open to working with team blogs and stuff. So if I ever have any anything team specific, um, I always post it on there. And I also have outside of bracketology. Um, once the field is set, I do some uh, pretty the probably the most uh, quantitative uh, analytics that I do. I'll, I'll have um, projections on what's going to actually unfold in the tournament that's, that are based on statistics. And and a lot of a lot of data that I've uh, compiled. Yeah. So Joe will show you the bracket ahead of time, and then he'll help you win the bracket uh, after it's revealed. Uh, thanks so much for the time, and I really appreciate it. And like I said, we'll catch up with you down the road, uh, maybe a couple weeks into uh, conference play, uh, when these teams are sort of, you know, setting themselves, and we're getting a little bit better picture of who's good at what and all that good stuff. So thanks again for the time. Go to 131sports.com for Joe's work, at uh, 131sports on Twitter as well if you want to follow him there. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Will. Uh, all right. Thanks for uh, that interview, Joe. Uh, like I said, we're going to try to bring him back a couple times, uh, you know, maybe every couple of weeks or so. Uh, we'll get him here in January and then throughout February as the uh, the bracket starts to become more complete and more locked down uh, and things like that. But either way, uh, Joe has really good insight, does a really great job of uh, predicting the bracket, of picking the, the spots uh, and hits with a great accuracy like I think he missed maybe one team last year. So, uh, good stuff there from Joe. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about these net ratings you heard him mention earlier in that interview. Uh, I'll explain a little bit more what it means. I think you're going to be hearing it a lot more uh, as the committee moves away from RPI. They're going to be uh, you know, pushing out there for sure this, uh, this net rating. So, let's talk a little bit about that after the break. But first... I got a word here from Roman. So guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable just you know, rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. Well, the same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman has created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com locked. Fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy, so take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com locked. That's GetRoman.com locked for a free online visit. GetRoman.com locked. And it wouldn't be a Locked on Spartans episode if I didn't tell you about the great things happening over at the Locked on Network Twitter and Instagram pages. On Twitter, you can follow at Locked on Net, and you get all of the Locked on Podcast Network local hosts uh, that cover NFL and NBA teams on one feed. It's great during games. Uh, You get breaking news and that unique local perspective that you're looking for on Instagram, Locked on Net. 
gives you the biggest stories of the day in just one minute on your Instagram stories and longer editions on the biggest stories of the day in the feed itself. So make sure you follow Locked On Net on both Twitter and Instagram. All right, welcome back to the third and final segment of today's Locked On Spartans. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Uh, I hope you found it useful and interesting, and I hope you're looking forward to hearing more from uh, Joe as we continue through this wonderful college basketball season. Uh, So the net. The net explained. uh, This is straight from NCAA.com. The net explained NCAA adopts new college basketball ranking to replace RPI. So uh, RPI was like ranking percentage index. Uh, It was used to help sort teams uh, for the NCAA tournament, uh, and a lot of people had a lot of problems with RPI, and they started to sort of, uh, last year and in previous years, they backed away from RPI. If you remember last year, they introduced the quadrant system, which uh, uh, you would hear quadrant one wins, quadrant two wins, and things like that. Basically, uh, all that meant was, uh, you know, how many good wins did you have, like a quadrant one game? was either uh, a home game, a home win against a team ranked 1 through 30, a neutral court win over a team ranked 1 through 50, or an away win uh, against a team ranked 1 through 75. So it just expanded the uh, the, uh, I don't know, the 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 quality of an away win, uh, kind of doubled it compared to a home win, uh, which, you know, is... That uh, you put a lot of stress on away wins, and I think a lot of people do that, uh, and that's a good thing too. But it's kind of arbitrary at times. What's the difference between team six, 76 and seventy five, uh, and things like that? But that's what a quadrant uh, win means. You're still going to be hearing the quadrants. They're still going to use that. Uh, what they're doing is using net to, you know, determine who those teams are one through thirty. Right? That used to be RPI. Uh, now it is net, which is uh, a little bit of an improvement, it seems like, in terms of uh, trying to actually uh, uh, reward teams for what they've accomplished, uh, not looking necessarily at talent, uh, although there is some of that because ESPN's Basketball Power Index is involved in this, and that takes some recruiting rankings into it, uh, as does Ken Palm which uh, is used as well as sort of like an advisory statistic. But th- what the net is, uh, it relies on, this is straight from the site, game results, strength of schedule, game location, scoring margin, net offensive and defensive efficiency, and the quality of wins and losses. So those are all the inputs to it. Uh, you know, net offensive and defensive efficiency, I imagine that comes from like ESPN Sagarin, or Ken Palm, which we talk about uh, some sort of combination of that. So it's good that that's in there. Uh, quality of wins and losses is definitely quadrant type stuff. Uh, they use ESPN strength of record. Uh, Ken Palm has a good strength of schedule. So there's different things uh, that they take. They they And this is good. They look around and say, who's doing it really well? Who is evaluating, predicting uh, you know, having good numbers on all this stuff. And then they use those things to help them create what is known as their net rating, their NCAA evaluation tool. Uh, a couple things that they do omit, uh, which is interesting. Uh, they omit the uh, date of the game, which is um, which is good because 
Well, it's good and bad. It's it's good because it puts, uh, you know, every game is treated fairly. We see it all the time. We see it in, in football, how later games uh, are much more impactful. You can lose in September and be fine. You can't really lose in November and still make the playoff uh, for the most point. So uh, games towards the end of the season in football always end up having a bigger impact and, uh, you know, non-conference games that we hype up at the beginning of the season sometimes have little to no impact uh, at all. Uh, that's good that basketball is going to try to omit that. Uh, you know, I, I'm of the belief that the games should count, uh, you know, as they count. You We do non-conference and we do conference games. It's not really like Michigan State's always going to have a really tough game to start the season because of the Champions Classic. Uh, that should count uh, more than you know, a conference win way down the road. And unfortunately, uh, with like the AP ranking, Michigan State's conference stuff at the end of the conference season has more to do with their AP ranking than anything they did early in the season, right? So it's good that they're getting, you know, taking that out of it. But at the same time, teams improve. If you can look at a thing and say, hey, this team's on the outside looking in, they're on the bubble. They might be one of our last four ends, last four teams in, but look at the end of their season. They were great. They went 7-1 and one to finish the season. Their only loss is against a really good team. Like They struggled out of the gate, but they really got it together. I think this is a tournament team now. So I don't know if there's a way for them to decipher, uh, to break a tie, you know? Like, hey, look how much better this team has been of late. That might be more deserving than a team that was hot early in the season and sort of cooled off and isn't playing good basketball right now. Although we've seen that happen where a team has gotten in because they had a really good start to the season, even though they faltered and got in over a team that had sort of the uh, reverse thing. Another thing that's interesting here is the cap. They put a cap of 10 points on a winning margin, which seems too small to me. Uh, they did this to prevent rankings from encouraging unsportsmanlike plays, such as running up the score, right? Uh, 10 points, anything like 10 points is not running up the score. 15 points is not running up the score. Uh, that's kind of, that's weird to me. Uh, there's a big difference between beating a team by 10 and beating a team by 22, and you don't have to run up the score to beat a team by 22. Michigan State beat Iowa the other day by 20 plus. And they eased on them. It was in the 30s. They were killing them. They should get credit, uh, and other teams as well should get credit for like the domination. There's 10-point wins a solid win. Uh, that's not a blowout, though. You need to have, uh, I think, have room for blowouts. If you want to cap it at 20, that's okay. Uh, I, I don't think there's much difference between a 20-point win and a 28-point win. You know, It depends how long did the walk-ons play for <laughs> uh, and stuff like that. Uh, generally. So I think 10 is, is a cap that they're going to have to fix. Uh, I think that's not giving good teams enough credit uh, for really beating uh, other teams. Like, you know, if, if Iowa makes a tournament uh, and Michigan State has a 30-point win over a tournament team at home, uh, it's going to look like a 10-point win on their net rating, which isn't a huge impact, but that seems like something that could be changed without Worrying about sportsmanship, uh, I don't think teams running up the score is a major issue in college basketball. It's not something that we talk about a lot. Generally, uh, you get to a point, the game's over, and 
the dogs are called off, the offense is slowed, walk-ons begin to, you know, bench players take over, walk-ons begin to trickle on the floor. That's how it happens in college basketball. I don't think you need to worry about teams uh, going for these 50-point wins to make their net rating look better. I think if you put that cap to 20 next year, uh, that'll be just fine. So that's what the net rating is. You're going to be hearing about it a lot throughout the selection process. Uh, If you want to uh, read more about it, the net explained NCAA adopts new college basketball ranking to replace RPI. Uh, that is on NCAA.com. It is definitely an improvement, and I'm happy to see it. They've been improving the system throughout the year, adding different advanced metrics and things like that to replace RPI, which uh, a lot of people had problems with as sort of an antiquated uh, set with some issues. Uh, so it's it's good. It's a good thing, but there's still improvements that need to be made to it, I think. Uh, we're still going to have snubs that don't make any sense. Uh, but that's okay. That's the life of someone. If you shouldn't be sitting around like 50 or 60, if you want to not worry about getting into the tournament. Uh, so that's going to do it for us today. Tomorrow we'll be back. Saturday show. Uh, I'll have a preview of MSU taking on University of Wisconsin Green Bay. But thank you so much for listening today. Follow the show on Twitter at OnSpartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter 1L2 underscores. Email the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast and head on over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and review. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, Saturday morning, with a preview of Michigan State basketball. Until then, go green.